0: I have the idea or the thought process that the that the Bible can't be trusted, um, and and I can't really believe everything that it says. Then how can I believe anything that it says? My understanding of Scripture doesn't determine its truthfulness.
1: Welcome, Ordinary Discussions. How are you guys? This is Jeremy McCombe. Just want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for, uh, for listening and, and always supporting us. Hey, I just want to mention today before we get started with our very special guest, you may recognize his face or, or his voice from a previous podcast. But before we do that, I just want to stop and ask you, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, go to our main Ordinary Discussions page and you'll see a button that says follow, right? So just click that follow button. And then next to the follow button, you'll see three little dots. Click those three little dots, and i will give you the opportunity to rate us. Please give us a five, but be honest. If you don't want to give us a five, that's fine. But here's the deal. If, if it's Spotify, do that. If it's YouTube, like us, subscribe, and just give us a little comment. If it's, hey, guys, great job, or, hey, great topic, or I'd like to hear this topic, a question, anything. And here's the reason I'm asking you to do that. we don't We don't make any – Bob and I oh, – I just gave my guest away uh-huh. – don't make any money off this. Ordinary discussions, uh, this isn't like a big revenue driver for us. It's, it's so that we can get the word of God out. So we believe that what we talk about in this podcast points people to Jesus and ultimately can make a difference in their lives. So if you want to be part of that, if you want to lock arms with us on that journey, do what I ask, please, and, and, and it will get our ratings higher, and it will be pushed out to more people. So there you go. Our guest today is Bob Pankey. You may recognize that, that, that name from a podcast, number 83. It's titled The Red Flags of Progressive Christianity. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I would highly recommend you do. I've had many people mention just how meaningful it was to their life and, and how much they got out of it. In that podcast, we had like a 30,000-degree uh, foot view of what progressive Christianity is, a lot of discussion around that. Today, Bob has agreed to come back and do part two, and we're going to do a part three, by the way, so stay tuned for that. But part two is going to be the six got-tos, the six got-tos around progressive progressive Christianity. So Bob, welcome back to the show.
0: It's so great to have you again. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, Enjoyed the last conversation immensely, and um, really looking forward to just continuing the conversation today, so... Uh, thankful for the opportunity and thankful for the entire ordinary movement, ordinary men, ordinary women. Um, I, have said this before, but, um, I see it in action with people that I know and love around me all the time. So just thankful for what God's doing through, through the movement. Well,
1: I want to mention something, a a selfless plug. Uh,
0: well, first I just want to say, Hey guys, if you want some
1: swag, like I'm wearing right here and I got a hat on too, maybe, maybe you can see it. hat. so anyhow, I'm wearing the swag. Make sure you go to our website and get some swag if you like what it looks like, and that helps support us, obviously. But I also want to promote our Men's National Connect in Colorado that's coming up. I can't believe that I'm going to say that. It's coming up in 2024. So Bob, write this down. It's June 27th through the 30th. Here's what I'm thinking. If you guys didn't listen to the last podcast, podcast Bob is the state director for Illinois for a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I think you got a lot of guys that you know in your life. Maybe, just maybe, you could get a, a crew to come out here. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you haven't been through Ordinary Movement, uh, maybe you have, you're wondering, uh, I'm not a conference guy. Well, good. So come to the Connect because this isn't a conference. <laughs> what we do is we rise early. And if you don't like to rise early, come on, just a couple of days. We rise early, we have a breakfast together, we have a time in the Word, and then like 8.39 until like 5 in the afternoon, all you do is play. You whitewater raft, you side-by-side, you dirt bikes, mountain bike, uh, fly fishing. I mean, I can go on and on and on, zip line. I mean, I can, I can jeeping. There's so many activities. It is so great. It's such a man's, man's event. But at the same time, uh, we sandwich it with time with the Lord. Great food, great fellowship. And there's just something special. We do it outside. We may not be able to this time if we have enough people signed up. We can hold like 1,500, 2,000 people at this ranch. Uh, So Hmm. that's the goal, right? A ton of guys. But no matter what, uh, you're just experiencing the sunrise, the sunset, worship. It's an unbelievable opportunity. So if you're listening, make sure you put that on your calendar. And you can go to our website, theordinarymovement.com, and you can click uh, the links to, to register uh, for early bird pricing. So, anyhow, I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that. It was, I don't know if you, Bob, you know some of the guys that went, I don't know if you talked to them about
0: it, but it was unbelievable Absolutely. last year. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the very th- very thing. I haven't been myself, but I know many who have, and they. it was a phenomenal time for them. And I tell you what, you had me at fly fishing, so um, you, it sounds awesome. Well, we'll
1: share awesome. a boat. We'll share a boat. That'd be great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I mean, I... I'm not even embarrassed to like promote it the way I am because it was that amazing. I went in just stressed out of my mind because the first time I've ever put on an event such as this. And afterwards, I told my wife, it was the highlight of my summer. It was absolutely incredible. I've heard man after man say that everybody that went said they were going to come back and bring guests. So uh, yeah, make sure you guys sign up no matter who you are, where you are in the country, rally guys in your church and your friend group, come on out. We'll have a great time together. So anyhow, shameless plug um let's dive into this so what are these six got to's like what that's a weird that's a weird saying what's a got to
0: yeah maybe that's a southern Illinois term I don't know if anybody uses that phraseology anywhere else but um yeah there there are there are certainly what I would call core foundational beliefs that you you've just got to embrace you've got to make sure that these are are present and I'll preface by saying this, that, that the the church and, and the Christian faith and maybe just human nature in general is notorious for having conversation. Sometimes it's strong conversation, sometimes it's flat out argument about a lot of things that just don't matter. Uh, yes. You know, I know in, 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 the ordinary movement, I think you guys use a major in the majors uh, comment or statement there. Maybe that's it. Yes.
1: Major in uh, the majors, minor in the minors. Another thing
0: we say is eat the meat, spit out the bones. There you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so... We certainly find ourselves talking about a lot of things in Christian circles, and I shouldn't say that don't matter, but are not foundational. So, I am just example of, of things like this, and we could talk about what heaven's going to look like. We could talk about um, what is what's the order of end times event. There's a good fight for you waiting <laughs> to yeah. happen. Um, yeah. you know, we should talk about. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. Spiritual when, gifts. Once saved, well, always saved. What's that? Once saved, always saved. Once saved, always man. saved. There's yes. another one. Yeah, right. We could talk about whether Bob's going to have hair in heaven or not. You know, I mean, we could talk about that's right. all kinds of stuff that's probably still good things to talk about. Yes. Okay. So I'm not, I don't want to give the idea that those are not things that we should teach or talk about or, or have conversation about. But those are not what I would call got to's. Yes. Um, my salvation, your salvation, our um, relationship with Christ is not dependent on any of those things we just said and a whole lot of other things. But there are some things that are foundational. And and again, these are I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna mention them to you obviously and talk about them. These are these are certainly from my perspective. I mean I didn't I didn't you know get these from somewhere else or somebody wrote these down somewhere. Just my ideas from what I read in scripture. So I want to sort of um you know preface with that too. Um and, and I think every church, every organization, a probably ordinary movement has this, has a some kind of list of core foundational beliefs or something like that. I mean, every Christian organization has that. And so this is not necessarily intended to be that. but But these are, in my mind, as we as we have this conversation about the progressive church movement and progressive Christianity and how we might define that, um, for for me anyway, these are sort of like the minimum, the basics. This is These are the core foundational tenets of our beliefs that have got to be there. And if we swerve, I'll even make it personal, if I swerve away from any of these, there's six of them that I'm going to mention, any of these six, um, that should be a red flag for me. And it should be a red flag for those who love me that are around me, uh, if I swerve away from any one of these six things. And so so this uh, is those... um, we can use this as a
1: litmus, te- litmus test within our own lives or the lives of those around us to say, you know, where it's it's almost like a like you said like a red flag if 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 they're not aligning with some of these as you would say got twos then we we or we're not right let's talk about ourselves I like that make it personal yeah. like we're yeah. really quick to look at everybody else without first looking at ourselves. So we can ask ourselves these questions and see if we're on track or if we may be swerving. So I like that. That's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And and even to that point we just said, I've done this. I think this is a great practice. I, I have given a group of people permission in my life. They've seen these got-tos. Uh, they've heard me talk about these got-tos. If you see me swerving away from any one of these things at any point in time, I want you to intervene i'm giving you permission to intervene i think that's a great you know a great concept and to think about that that. so these are in the form of questions uh in other words what do you believe about and then we'll fill in the blank and Mm -hmm. there are six of them um and then you know we can talk through each one and maybe bring some definition to what the bible does say about about some of these things. And and I'd love your input too, Jeremy, as, as well. So I think to start with, if you're okay with it, I'm just going to read all six as in the form of questions. You're the boss. You uh, you lead okay. us, buddy. Okay. And then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So number one, and, and I don't know that these are necessarily in an order of priority except maybe the first one and and maybe, maybe not. But if the first one isn't in place, then probably the other five r- run the risk of, of not, of me not aligning to what the bible has to say about these things so the first one the first question is what do you believe about the bible what do you believe about the inerrancy and the infallibility of the bible again we could talk more detail about each one of these in just a second um second question would be what do you believe about god's existence about who he is his character um uh, his nature those kind of things the third one would be what do you believe about yourself and and, in more specifically um your your natural state what do you believe about your or, or the natural state of humankind or, or, or human nature uh, the fourth one would be what do you believe about who Jesus is and what he did what do you believe about who Jesus is and what he did um, the, the fifth one is what do you believe about how we experience salvation how are we saved how can someone have a relationship with God, which is what we might refer to as salvation? Mm-hmm. What do you believe about how we experience salvation? And then the last one uh, is, what do you believe about the exclusiveness of Jesus Christ? What do you believe about the exclusiveness of Jesus Christ? And maybe we can mention several others that, that some may have, some of the listeners may have, or, or you may have, Jeremy, Other other thoughts about some additional got-to's beyond just those six things. But but, my intention here was to 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 try to come up with a a, a basis, you know, a, a minimum mm-hmm. of um of of the core what I would call. and I used this phrase in in our previous conversation, um, historical biblical Christianity. Um, and we we kind of defined that a little bit when our in our last conversation. So um, those six things. now let me also say this before we dive into each one of them individually, Jeremy. um, You know, we use this term uh, "progressive church," "progressive Christianity," and 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 we said last time it's really hard to define that even in 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 the midst of this conversation. It's hard to define it, so I don't want to rehash that conversation. But I do want to make sure that I'm clear here that that progression as an idea or a concept is not evil in and of itself. And I don't, I don't, I hope no one um, heard that or or is interpreting our our the term progressive Christianity to mean that. Um, you know, it's great for me to grow and develop as a human being, to get better at things, to progress in a whole lot of ways. And so not talking, and even in the context of the church, not talking about um changing the way that we do some things in church. That's not what we're talking about. At least that's not what I'm talking about when I say You're not,
1: you're not talking about changing of methods. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We're all
1: progressing in life. I was going to say, it's funny you're going down this road because as you were talking and you were saying progressive Christianity, who gets to choose the name of these things? It seems like all these, anything that really, in my opinion, has uh, a negative connotation in the world or in, 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 uh, in faith, it's like they get these names that, that are like, they sound wonderful.
0: Yeah. Like progression.
1: Right. Like, yeah, we all yeah. want to progress, right? Who, but, who doesn't want to progress? Like, why that? don't we just call it wavering Christianity? <laughs> like, <what laughs> don't we call it? You know, like, 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 like a gray area yeah. Christianity. Like, but it, it always gets these names that are like, um, they, they sound so good clearly they're naming it themselves. I think we got to get ahead of it and start naming things what yeah, it really yeah, is. That's
0: right. Well, I just want to be clear about that because even in, so I, I mentioned this in our previous conversation, for me, this kind of all uh, was stirred up through me teaching a, a 13 or 14 week class at my church about this. And I had 30 or 35 people in the class and great conversations, great group of people on a week to week basis. But even that group were asking questions like, well, aren't you glad that that we have a different music style than we had 200 years ago. Yeah. Aren't you glad that we have technology that we can use now and church co- uh, environments? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I, I love all those things. That's not what we're talking about. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about how we do church methodologies. We're talking about these six got tos and, and the moving away from, or the, or the, the, the transitioning away from what I would call these core doctrines. Yeah. Um, That really have nothing to do with church methods or how we how we go about doing things in the church concept or the church world. So um, and so whether how we answer those six questions uh, and again, making it personal, how I answer those six questions uh, will determine whether or not I am aligned with. And again, I keep using the term, the phrase biblical, historical Christianity, whether I'm aligned with. The Christian faith as, as the Bible teaches and, and, and cast a vision for it. And so these are the foundations that form, that form the Christian faith, at least from my perspective. Now, there's going to be many people who are going to disagree with what I just said. Um, but th- this is where I'm coming from. Um, and so um, each one of those six, th- those six questions that I just mentioned, uh, we could talk for Months about yes. each one individual, <laughs> and there's depth to these. So I, I want to be careful here not to give anybody the idea that this is an in-depth discussion about each one of those six things. There's tons and tons and tons of content and resources and all kinds of stuff out there about all of those things. Um, but I do think it's probably worth touching on each one of them and and kind of explaining and describing yeah. just a little bit about what we mean when we say that
1: yeah each one is an onion that could be peeled back many yeah. many layers that's
0: so, exactly right yeah and probably exactly. should be i mean i would encourage anybody that's listening that should peel back that onion spend some time dig deep you know let, yeah. let, the, let the word of god teach us about these things and um that's something that would be worthwhile for all of us i'm sure to do
1: <clears throat> well let's uh let's uh you know get our taste buds going here and, and uh, get us hungry for what, what what each of these potentially we could dive into on
0: our own study. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. That first question uh, is what do you believe about the Bible? And mm-hmm. and um, we spent quite a bit of time last time talking a little bit about this, that certainly the, the, the um, inerrancy of the Bible is called into question a lot. Um, the accuracy of the translation of the Bible is called into question a lot. Um, whether or not it's even God's word to begin with, and it was mm-hmm. just the ideas of men that wrote some thoughts down or some opinions. All of those things are are bubbling around, and even in in quote unquote Christian circles, they're they're talked about quite a bit. And so, I would, and again, a lot of this comes down to personal um, personal belief on some things. So I'm just sharing from my heart. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would I would say that that if I'm going to use the Bible, if I'm going to approach the Bible as God's holy word given to mankind to reveal God's character and who God is and to explain to us how to have relationship with him. And that's, again, there's a whole lot of layers there, right? If I'm going to view the Bible in that way, um, then then I'm I'm going to need to be able to not question its accuracy. And, And quite often this, I listed it first on purpose, Um, this is quite often where things start with someone who's going to begin to move down a progressive Christian uh, ideology path. You know, you read some things in scripture that are challenging. I'm really thankful that God did that. We talked about that in the last conversation too. I'm thankful that God put stuff in his word that challenges me because it's beyond me. It's above me. His thoughts are above my thoughts. His ways are above my ways. And so, Mm -hmm you know, can I explain the resurrection of the dead? God, no, I can't explain that. I, It's supernatural. You know, it, it it doesn't make natural sense to me. And yet, man, I believe in faith that it happened. Certainly Jesus resurrected from the dead and Jesus resurrected others from the dead, you know, and, and I firmly believe that. I don't think that was uh, just an analogy. I don't think that was you know, symbolic or anything like that. So anyway, um, you know, we, we talk about the inerrancy of scripture. We talk about the infallibility of scripture. And I want to camp out real fast here on those two words, inerrancy, without error. Infallibility means incapable of making an error or incapable of being an error. And again, my two cents here, but I believe as we read through scripture and the Bible talks about itself, we see that, that there's a supernatural aspect to God's Word. There is no other book, and it's far more than a book, but there's no other book in the history of the world that was written over a 1,600-year time span, mm-hmm. which is how long the time span was for the writing of the Bible, that has stayed intact and been, and, and, and have, has, has moved through the centuries. And I firmly believe with all my heart that God supernaturally has allowed the Bible to be able to move through the centuries so that we have access to it today so again i could launch on a whole lot of things there but um uh, talking about the accuracy of bible there's some great re- content out there to look at or resources um josh mcdowell is is decades ago 30 40 years ago um, did some great work on on the accuracy of, of the bible the accuracy of scripture um and and again there's a lot there we could talk about but i would encourage listeners to dive into some of those kind of things lee strobel we did some of the similar yeah. some similar work yeah. and there's others too um anything you want i'm gonna i'm gonna move through them Jeremy. unless you have well, thoughts, it's we'll, we'll just keep
1: moving but i but i can clearly see where that that question um is really the the hinge pin uh, pin of everything like it's what you believe about the bible is very important uh you, you can see how it all it all hinges on that like uh, that's where you can get your interpretations. That's where you can start adding your own interpretations, your, your own viewpoint. Well, what he really meant was this, or that was just a story that was meant to mean this. Um, yeah, I, I see how that's the that's the number one question um, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and and we referenced this in our last conversation, but it's worth referencing again. One of the ideas that we see surface quite a bit in a progressive church movement or progressive Christianity is is an agreement with, and therefore an alignment with certain parts of scripture, but then not agreement with or alignment with other parts of scripture. And so, um, again, as you just said, if, if I have the idea or the thought process that the the Bible can't be trusted, um, and, and I can't really believe everything that it says, then how can I believe anything that it says? Yeah. I mean, at that point, I don't even know what you have. I, you literally, I don't
1: know what you have. If I can't believe in uh, the infallibility and inerrancy of the Bible, then, like I, it all falls apart for me real quick. Yeah, real yeah, quick. That's
0: right. Yeah, that's right. And I've had conversations with individuals, people that I know, people that I care about, that about that that has started out the conversation by saying, "Just so you know, I don't believe the Bible is true and accurate." And it's really hard to continue the conversation after that because that's where everything, every perspective that I come from is going to come from the perspective that this is what the Bible teaches you know, so if that just doesn't matter to someone, then, um, you know, we have to find another way, I guess, to have the conversation because I certainly think we want to try to keep having the conversation. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second question, uh, that we, we posed as a got to, uh, is, is what do you believe about the existence and the nature of God? And, um, I, I, I find it helpful, I guess, at least just for me to, 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 to think for my own self here in terms of how would I answer that question, you know, and this these answers come from a bunch of different scripture references, you know, they come from a bunch of places, really the whole of scripture throughout the Bible. So, you know, something like this, that God is real, that he exists as the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that he has always existed as the Trinity and he will always exist as the Trinity. Not only is God real, but he loves each one of us unconditionally. And he undeniably desires to have an intimate personal relationship with each one of us. That's a, that's a mouthful. That's a whole lot of stuff that I just said there. And again, we could dive off deep into any one little component of that, but, um, just, just what I, just what I said, just, just that much, um, is what I believe a, a core foundation of what we believe about who God is. Um, I, I know I had a, had a conversation. I'll give you a fast example. I had a conversation one time with someone, uh, this has been a few years ago and we were talking, I don't even remember what we were talking about, something pertaining to the Trinity. And, you know, if you can explain the Trinity in you know, 30 words or less, I'd love to see it because uh, you know, it's just a, it's a deep concept, you know, anyway, we were having this conversation about the Trinity and this happened to be someone um, who had, been through seminary um now obviously that's a that's a loaded term there's a lots of different seminaries with lots of different perspectives and lots of different ways of teaching things and lots of different beliefs and viewpoints but anyway he'd been through seminary so he, he said surely you know bob it's kind of this condescending thing mm-hmm. surely you know bob that the trinity was a third century development you know 300 years after after jesus and i i said yeah no no i, I don't i don't think the Trinity was a third century development. I, now, surely sure there was a group of guys that sat around in a room 300 years after Jesus and talked about the Trinity quite a bit, but it's all over scripture. It's all throughout the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so that's just a fast example of what I'm talking about, of, of what do we believe about God? Who do we believe God is and um, how how we can kind of get off the, the path, so to speak. So you got to start there again after scripture. I think you got to start with the existence and the nature of God. Uh, and wh- wh- what do we mean by that? Um and then and then the the third question that we asked um was uh, what okay, do you I believe just, about I just want to hit on that. Oh, yeah. I ahead. want Go to ahead. hit okay. on that
1: really fast. Yeah. One second. I'm trying to find the scripture here. I think it's Matthew 3. It, it's when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, right? And so Yeah. Um I believe that's when um God said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then at that moment, a dove ascends on Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. So anybody that says that the Trinity is somehow 300 years post-Christ, that they all three existed in one place on earth in that moment. Now, there's other places in the Scripture. I know that that that, that has happened as well. There's other places, but that's the one that always sticks out to me the most. You have the Father, the Son speaking to the Father about how well-pleased He is, and then the dove ascending on Him, which is the Holy Spirit. So there's the trinity in one place on earth. And you know the thing this is completely off topic, but the thing I love about that scripture is God says to Jesus, "This is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." That was be and this is his heart towards us. I know this is way off topic. But maybe somebody needs to hear this. This is his heart for us. That was before Jesus did one single thing in ministry. That was at the beginning of his ministry. That was before he spent 40 days in the wilderness as before that was the very start of it. And God already said, it's who I am. Well, pleased. I think sometimes we think that he's only pleased with us when we're doing certain things or, and, and he's pleased with us just where we're at. That always speaks to me, but anyhow, I love that. off that yeah, tangent I love that.
0: and uh, back to your <laughs> yeah, third point. Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. And, and a, sort of a, a, along the same point, my understanding of scripture doesn't determine its truthfulness.
1: Mm.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. What I you said. Yeah. Um, so so the fact that, you know, I, I may or may not be able to fathom an idea doesn't mean that it is true or not true. It's true without me fath- fath- fathoming it or understanding it, uh, you know, which is kind of how I, I view that whole Trinity thing. You know, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I could, I still, I've taught and preached about the Trinity a thousand times. I'm still not sure I could do it justice, you know, uh, to, to really explain it well, doesn't matter. It's still true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I read, I read
1: something this morning in my quiet time. I'm going to butcher it, but it was by Vernon McGee. You guys have heard me talk about Vernon McGee a million times, but I love his commentary, but he just told a story about a man once told him, don't let your lack of understanding diminish what you do understand like like that, that's I'm not saying it right but I've had that in my own life I mentioned on the last podcast I went through a season of, of really searching and it was like I, I had this level of under a misunderstand not not even misunderstanding I guess or just lack of understanding of place things in the word that it's confused me that it actually caused me to lose faith in what I already knew and I thought that was a really good quote and I'm butchering it I'll have to find it and get it right but it's like yeah don't let. Don't let those times that you're in the scripture and you're confused and you don't quite get it to shake your faith so much that you forget what you already know.
0: Uh, yeah, because that happened weird.
1: to me a little bit in my life. I have, I have to That's admit. so good.
0: And, and I'll even kind of take it a step further and say, and this is hard, this is challenging. So I'm not saying I've got this figured out, but the fact that, that that there are things that God talks about in scripture that are challenging and that I can't figure out in a weird sense, it almost makes me appreciate God more because he is above me and above us. Again, well, what we would hope, know. right? Yeah, right. So if I, got a, if I can figure it all out, it's not much.
1: I know. I say that to people <laughs> you know. all the time. I don't know who we think we are that we somehow can understand everything about God. If I mean we are, we are full. You talk about pride of man. Goodness gracious. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, point three. We'll talk yeah. ourselves to death here.
0: That's okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah. Uh, point three was was what do you what do you believe about yourself or about man or about the nature of man? Um, And this is huge. This is so important. And this is specifically uh, one of those, one of these these core doctrines of our belief that does tend to rise to the surface in progressive Christianity and the progressive church. And and it's talked about some that um, basically what I believe the Bible teaches, what the Bible does teach, is that, that we were created by God, mankind, tempted by Satan. We've fallen into what the Bible calls a sin nature, and it started in the Book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, and it's carried on throughout every individual that's mm-hmm. ever walked the face of the earth, except for Jesus. Uh, and and so now mankind is born sinful, and completely separated from God from birth because of our sin nature. And 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 not only that, but but we, mankind, human nature, we can do absolutely nothing on our own in order to have a right relationship with God. And so it's the idea of original sin. It's the idea of the sin nature of man. And there are tons of Bible references, scriptures, certainly all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul wrote about the sin nature of man all over the place yeah, in, yeah. in the epistles, in his letters, um, and, and, and the fact that we can't do anything about that in and of ourselves, but it's only through Jesus. And so, again, in in the progressive church, conversations and progressive church movement, there is this growing idea that that we aren't really sinful by nature and therefore really don't even need salvation in that way. We What we might call substitutionary atonement, which we'll talk about here in a minute when we talk about Jesus, um, that we don't even really stand in need of atonement, so to speak, uh, because um, it, we, we aren't separate from God in that way. And again, that, that is completely the opposite of what the Bible teaches. And yet, um it's becoming a more common idea in the progressive christian movement
1: yeah it's hard to find salvation if you don't think you need salvation <laughs> i mean that's the whole like yeah, if you don't right. i mean the exactly. first the, the first step in salvation is realizing that you need salvation like and that's because we're we're sinful and you said there's many, many yeah. uh, verses, and you're right. We mentioned the last podcast. Listen to it. We won't we won't camp out here long because we we did talk about this quite a bit in the last one. But and I even mentioned this verse. But I think that the strongest verse for it. It's very hard to deny is Romans five twelve, uh, where where Paul talks about uh, you know a sin entered the world through one man and death through to all a l l all men. And so anyhow. Um, Yeah. I think I can see, and I think anybody listening can see how that could quickly become progressivism in their faith. Um, if you don't understand who you are by nature, for sure.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And and if you, if you, if you believe that you are, if you don't believe that you're sinful by nature, then, um, your entire idea or relationship with Jesus is completely changed. Why do you need him? Not only why do you need him but what what purpose does Jesus serve in your life? Well, at that point, if if he really doesn't serve the purpose of, of, my um, a means of salvation and having right relationship with God, if he doesn't serve that purpose, then really he just becomes a, a person who taught some good things, and if I can apply those principles to my life, I can live a better life and be a better person. Nothing wrong with being a better person and applying the teaching of Jesus to our lives, but he primarily came to bring salvation right. for us to to bridge the gap, so to speak. Um, Mm-hmm. Which leads to the fourth question. The question is, uh, what do you believe about Jesus and uh, and what he did, or 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 why he did what he did? Maybe is a better uh, statement. And so, um, you know, if I'm going to make a statement about that, sort of a summary of of everything we gather throughout st- Scripture, that that Jesus and, and there are, and let me also say this: there are all kinds of creeds uh, all throughout the church history of the church that that reference a lot of these types of things. So even some of the verbiage here may sound very similar to to some of the creeds that we may have read and seen. Uh, the, The fact that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, his purpose on earth or coming to earth was to sacrifice himself as a substitutionary atonement. That's a really important phrase, a substitutionary atonement for the sins of mankind. He was crucified, he died, physically died, was buried, and then rose again from the dead, defeating death and sin. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and from there he will come again someday to judge the living and the dead. Now again, mouthful, lots of stuff there, all kinds of theological concepts and doctrines and all kinds of stuff that go into all of that, Um, but I I do want to camp out for just a second on that whole idea of substitutionary atonement. It's kind of a Fancy words. We don't really use those words, quite honestly, in any other context outside of of Christianity, at least not much. And (laughs) uh, so this and and the reason I want to focus in on it just a bit is because this is another one of those core foundational doctrines that has been is being called into question by the progressive church. And that is the fact that Jesus came to die in my place because I am sinful by nature. And, and because of, of the perfection and sinlessness of Jesus, he came to the earth to die in my place, to take the punishment for, for my sins, the punishment I deserved. He took that for me and for us. And so that is the, the substitutionary part for us. And then the atonement part, uh, that, that, that punishment had to be dealt out. Something had to die. The wages of sin is death. Um, something always dies when sin is present. And um, and so the, Jesus became the atonement for me, the, the punishment of that sin. Now, again, I would call those very foundational beliefs of the Christian faith, you know. Um, but there is a growing uh, a thought process in the progressive church that that none of that is true because we aren't sinful by nature, that Jesus didn't have to die for us. And um, it's even been referred to as cosmic child abuse. That's the term I've read and seen mm-hmm. often of of this idea that God the Father had to see ha- had to to present His Son to die for the sins of the world. That was somehow child abuse um, because He was, you know, His Son. Uh, and so, anyway, I, I, I could talk about it for a long time, and we won't necessarily. But um, that is such an important part of the core tenets of the Christian faith is the idea of substitutionary atonement. And, um, it's, it, it's important enough to be a got to, in my opinion, for sure.
1: Yeah. There's actually, <laughs> and I didn't know this until, um, I actually had a discussion with someone and I had to research some things to actually be knowledgeable enough to have the conversation, but there's actually seven theories of atonement. I didn't know that could be more, but I know for mm-hmm. sure there's seven, there's seven theories of atonement. You, you can Google it and, and read them. um, but some of these theories of atonement really play well into the, uh, progressive Christian viewpoints, uh, it, which is, you know, it goes back to who we, who we believe we are, right? Do we believe that we're sinful or not? And, and so some of these theories of atonement kind of take that out of the equation. Um, anyhow, it's just interesting when you really dig into this stuff, but, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting you would bring that up because um, I had a discussion with uh, someone recently about that. So, hmm. yeah, and and you know I just want to say this, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, but um, <laughs> I, I'm an ordinary guy. Maybe I'm saying it as an excuse this time and not a war cry, but I think even like um, we we can think as believers. Well, if somebody if somebody believes that Jesus was not born of a virgin birth, right? It's not that big a deal. I mean, it's still Jesus. But it it matters so much because it goes back to who do you, what do you believe about yourself? So if you believe that he was born of normal conception, then he is man, right? He's of man. And then back to Romans, the verse I just pointed out, it says that because of Adam, we were all sinners. So it's very important that the way that, that God brought Jesus into creation was not through the normal conception of man and woman, but was through the supernatural means so that he's not, uh, he's not sinful because of, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering it. Okay. I'm sure I'm butchering it. I'm giving it an attempt, but, but my point <laughs> is like it all, it, it, you start pulling the thread and you realize, wait, all these little things that somebody could just say, well, it doesn't matter. You believe whatever you want about Jesus's virgin birth. That's okay. As long as you believe he's Jesus. But if you don't believe in the virgin birth and supernatural uh, birth of Christ, then you have a big question to answer around. Well, how does he? How is he sin? How is he without sin if he was born of human flesh? Right. I mean, it's just there's there's a lot there. Maybe I butchered that. I don't know.
0: No, no, you're exactly right. And if he's not, if he was not born of a virgin. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, in other words, of God and of man—you know, fully God, fully man—we use that phrase a lot. If he's not that, then on what grounds would his death do anything for me, salvation-wise? That's right. I mean, if he's a guy that was treated cruelly by the Roman government and by his own people, and, and was put to death, and that's it, um, there really is the there, there there's really no purpose for him in my life. Yeah, you know, uh, it is because he is the full deity of God. That's what, that's what the Bible says of Jesus. um, That he can even be a substitutionary atonement for me. It wasn't just, you know, he decided that one day, Hey, I'll think I'll do this for these people. Uh, That was the plan from the beginning because that's God's heart for us is to be in right relationship with him. So you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I'll say this here too, Jeremy, I don't know, this may open up a whole can of worms, but Hey, we're all about opening up cans of worms. That's right. That's right. Um, You know, I I said what I said at the beginning of our conversation here today about, about, you know, what we mean when we say progressive Christianity, we're not talking about, we're talking about the got to's. We're not talking about a lot of other methodologies and all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're referring to. Um, And and it isn't. But I will also say this, that there is something to be said, probably a deeper conversation to be had about 2000 years of church history. Yeah. Uh, And and for 2000 years, since, since Jesus, the time of Jesus, what we just said about Jesus has been the general conception, or the general consensus, and the understanding of the Christian world about who Jesus is, why he came, um, and why he had to die—a uh, substitutionary atonement for our sins. Um, and so, uh, again, I want to make—I don't want to sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth—but um, a lot of a, a lot of people have wrestled with these questions for a really, really long time, and I believe. Maybe this is an easy answer, but I believe that the Lord has led us, and that's the only way we can come to these conclusions, by the way. The Lord has led people over the course of 2,000 years of church history to these ideas from Scripture. Does that make sense? Yeah, what I just said. Absolutely. Um, something to be said about that, too, yeah. I think. Um, uh, so, number five, the fifth question that we posed is what do you believe about how we experience salvation? And, and we've refer- referenced this a little bit already. Um, there's, a, there's a, a, a bigger conversation to be had about the gospel and what we mean by the gospel and what exactly is the gospel. And, and, and again, we can get into that a bit if we want to, but, but what do you believe about how we experience salvation? Well, I believe the Bible teaches, I think we see that the Bible teaches that we are saved from eternal punishment that we deserve, by the way, because of our sinful nature, that uh, we are saved from that eternal punishment when we believe in faith in the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we repent, there's another word that we don't really use anywhere else except in church circles. So you have to define what you mean by that. Uh, But when we repent of our sin and accept Christ's lordship in our lives, our salvation is fully based on Christ's sacrifice through God's grace and not on anything in and of ourselves. So, again, another one of those statements. It's fully packed full of stuff. Um, But how we experience salvation, and you referenced this a bit. Um, earlier when we were talking about Jesus' baptism and God's pleasure with him, even before he quote unquote did anything, mm-hmm. no miracles yet, no teaching yet, none of those things had happened. Uh, and, and yet God was pleased with him. And so God's pleasure with Jesus, in other words, Jesus's righteousness, his perfectness is something I could never attain. None of us can. And so literally what happens when, when, I am saved. It's a term that we use again in, in Christian circles. I put on the righteousness of Christ because I have none in and of myself. And so when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, the perfectness of Jesus in whom he is well-pleased, right? From, yeah. from the, the baptism re- uh, verses that you referenced. And so that is the exact opposite of you have to fulfill these requirements. You have to do these certain things. Um, really any other religion in the world that you look at, any other religion has some kind of set of boxes to check criteria to meet in order to be in right relationship with what, whatever deity that they they claim to worship, you know? So Christianity is completely different in that regard. Well, it's completely different in every regard, but it's completely different in that regard because um, I can't go earn it. I can't go do anything to achieve it. Uh, it is truly work of christ on the cross through his death and resurrection and my um my my confession of my sin my repenting which literally means to turn and go another direction that's what repentance literally means um and then submitting to his lordship you know putting him in charge um yeah and and again lots of scripture references that we could we could refer to um all throughout the bible that refer to these things so um in my understanding, my understanding
1: around this topic of progressive Christianity is the the slippery slope. There is they will they will reference Jesus, they will reference salvation in Jesus, but then they will talk about um, a lot of a lot a lot of how how we how we gain. Uh, it, it becomes it becomes something that we somehow earn. Uh, yeah. when, when I when I hear these people talk. And, you know, that, that is the opposite of why I want to be a believer in Christ. That's every other religion. I don't want to earn anything because I don't yeah. trust myself. I want to have faith in Christ that, that he did it all for me. And then from that, from love, because he first loved me, right? It's not because I love him because he first loved me. Now out of that, I want to, I want to follow him. And all the things I do are not from a place of earning, but from a place of love, It is so, it is so contrary to what, uh, any other religion that I know teaches and a lot of what we hear being taught from progressivism lately, uh, in in my, in my estimation.
0: When you think about the gospel, we use the term, the gospel, the Bible refers to, you know, the gospel obviously. And we know that that means good news. It's the good news of salvation through Jesus. I think it's important for us to realize, and again, this could be another can of worms, um, not everything in the Bible is the gospel. The Bible, everything in the Bible, points to the gospel. But the gospel specifically is the good news. It's everything we just said. It's the good news of Jesus coming to the earth to die a sacrificial death in my place, mm-hmm. uh, to to pay the penalty for my sins yeah. and allow me to have right relationship with God. That's the gospel. So. If that's the gospel, then then there are everything in the Bible points to the gospel, but not everybody everything in the Bible is the gospel. So, in other words, for example, Jesus' teachings on right living are important, but they are a result of the gospel that's right. in our lives. They yeah. are not the gospel. Does that make sense? It results I said of, that? Absolutely. Totally yeah, makes sense. It's a yeah. result of the gospel in our that's lives, true. not not. It doesn't it, it doesn't lead to it isn't the gospel in and of itself. And so that tends to be sort of where the rub lies sometimes in, um, you know, those types of things where where we take the teachings of Jesus and we say, OK, as long as I can do my best to try to align myself with all of these teachings, then I am in right relationship with God, whatever term we might want to use, salvation, you know, whatever. And that's not what the Bible teaches. No, yeah, it's just not what the Bible teaches. So
1: very right, I'm excited about this last one because it's yeah because it's hard hit because it's hard hitting i love it
0: (laughs) it does hit hard that's true yeah so the last question is what do you believe about the exclusiveness of jesus Uh, what do you believe about the exclusiveness of jesus and um, the, the statement i would make is that the bible teaches that the only way to have a relationship with god and the only way to enter into heaven in eternity is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way to God. There's no other way to become a Christian. There's no other way to enter into heaven except through Jesus. Uh, and again, all kinds of scripture references. Uh, Jesus himself in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one else comes to the Father but through me. Um, Acts 4:12, there is no other name under heaven given to men that by which we must be saved, saved. And on and on and on and on and on we could go about the exclusiveness of Jesus and the fact that he is the only way to have a relationship with God. I believe, and really, as we've said many times, it doesn't matter what we believe. I I see the Bible teaching that he is the only way to God, that, that a relationship with Jesus is the only way to God.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you say you believe, yeah, if you say you believe in Jesus, then you, You can't, he says it in red, like we talked about the red letter people, the people that only read the red letters of the word of God. But that, like he says it, I am the way, the truth and light. Only no one comes to me through the father, but through me, right? Like he says it, it's Jesus saying it. So you can't say you follow Jesus and then say that there's another way to salvation other than Jesus. Like it's so contrary to what Jesus said. That's that's what blows my way, my, my way. That's what blows my mind about this, this progressive uh, sect is like, it's so contrary. Like I don't even understand how you yeah. could interpret the words of Jesus any other than what he said. Like there's no other way. yeah.
0: yeah. So what oftentimes happens is when you get to this one, number six, it becomes this catch 22 where you circle back around to the first one And well, that's not really what Jesus said, or that's not really what Jesus meant or that was misinterpreted. It's been translated wrong or a thousand other things that we could say. Yeah, you're right. Because it's not comfortable for for Jesus to be exclusive in Mm -hmm. our flesh, I should say. It's not comfortable for Jesus to be exclusive. So I don't know if this term will make sense as phrase, but I've used this phrase if it makes sense or not. Jesus was exclusively inclusive. (laughs) In other words, um, I believe Jesus will accept anyone if they accept only him. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, that that sal- I believe salvation, my theological perspective, is that salvation is 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 available to all of us, but it is exclusively Jesus. That's right. Um, and so uh, it, it can't be Jesus and anything else. And again, those are all all ideas that we probably have, have said before. But. Well, that is great. So that's our six
1: got tos um i i mean we could go on and on bob yeah. um i i could at least uh on on each of these yeah. but here's what i would encourage our listeners um just to to keep it somewhat manageable in time um is if one of those or several of those stuck out to you or even like maybe rubbed you the wrong way a little bit first off i would encourage you to reach out to us you can Find uh, our information on our website. Uh, The links will be below. You can leave a comment. We can get back in touch with you. I'm sure I don't want to put Bob on the spot, but I'm sure he'd be happy to speak to you about any of this. But uh, I don't know that 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 will even be the it's not a it's not a scapegoat. I'm happy to speak with anyone, but I think uh, we can we can put some resources in the description below. I'll get some from Bob that will allow you to kind of dig in and, and find some answers for yourself. Because I think for me, that has always been my best Avenue. I can listen to people all day long, but sometimes I have to come to my own conclusion, uh, but yeah. through research and reading. So, uh, these are, I would agree, Bob, these are great, uh, tenets of our faith or, um, the got tos or, uh, questions to ask ourselves about where we are, uh, in this journey, uh, of our faith. And, um, Again, thank you so much. Um, we're going to do another podcast directly after this, so make sure you guys look forward to that. And that's going to be the five. What are the five, what are the five questions? Um, five ways we can respond to people who we know and love who may be moving towards progressive Christianity. I think that's a. Th- th- it could be a little shorter than this one. I think it's going to be really helpful and practical because it is a very difficult conversation. If you have somebody you love, uh, sincerely uh, spend a lot of your time with, how do you respond uh, in a way that doesn't just alienate them or create a lot of tension in their relationship? So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's my pleasure to be a part of the conversation. So thanks for the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much guys. We will put resources in the, in the description below. Uh, Thank you so much for being part of this until next time. Let's do this.